0: Good morning and welcome, everybody, to Crossbridge. Mm -hmm. Whether you're online or uh, in the audience here, we are so glad that you're here. And this looks a little bit different, doesn't it? Um, We'll tell you about that here in just a minute. But uh, I want to introduce everybody. My name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, Clear over to my right, your left, would be Jordan Chitwood, our online pastor. And then in the middle, you
1: may not have seen
0: Bruce as of late, because he's been hiding up in the sound booth, but our tech director, Bruce Colbert. And... um,
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, you know.
2: (laughs) You look great. <laughs> you thank look, you. Yeah, makes you. you all you, spiffy you, for your yeah. your teaching day. You, you have been up here for. Can, a while.
0: can you see him from over there? Do I need to move? I, okay. I want you to be able to see Bruce. <laughs> it's okay. There, there you go. Oh well. Hey,
1: you know we're uh, off to a good start. Oh, just keep going, they say.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, thank you. Uh, hey, one uh, thing we want to do before we get started here today is kind of make an announcement. And um, Bruce has actually been on staff here for 23 years now.
2: 23 years. 23
0: years. And um, you may not know this, but, uh, you know, he's done, every, he's done everything here.
2: Well, except for working with the kids. Yeah, that stuck that's true. <laughs> yeah, <it's> not good. That's <laughs> true. There's a certain level of crazy it takes to get to there. Hey, but pretty much everything besides working with the kids.
0: Exactly. He started here as worship pastor, right?
2: Correct. What, why are we doing this?
0: Just, just, uh, I told it, him before
2: it, service, like, kind of, does Bruce know about this? No, no, no. No, no. this is like, a surprise. Okay, this will be good. This is a surprise.
0: So, Sorry, that was my cough drop. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So you started here as a worship it's gonna pastor. It's going to really well today. Yeah, it's going to be great.
2: I never doubted.
0: And, yes. And then executive pastor. Correct. Lead pastor. Correct. Took over in one of the most difficult times of, of the church, to be honest with you, and, and has led amazingly. The reason we're doing all this is because Bruce is actually stepping down from staff this year. This is your last year. Being Correct. part part time yes. here, and uh, here's the good thing about it is Bruce isn't leaving or anything, and he's honestly going to do the same amount of hours that we've always been having him do. We're just not going to pay him for it this year, <laughs> and so, but we did want to just say before we get started today, man, uh, Bruce has been a mainstay here, and 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 the way he has led with humility and and just led this church and his passion is for Crossbridge and we just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for your 23 years of service and uh, we're not gonna miss you because you're gonna be here. Thank you. you.
2: And we thought that no better way to celebrate Bruce than to do a roast session. Yeah. And so if so you want to come yes, on, <laughs> no, no,
1: not doing that. Yeah. There's too uh, much material. Well, there
0: you go. Anyway, well, thank you. Anyway, uh, today, uh, if you know, I have not been feeling well, and I said, you know what? It was my turn to do this. Just I was supposed to do it actually last week, and I said, there's just no way I can do this. So I brought these guys up because we're going to talk about a, a a topic today that is kind of a hot button in the church, and. Um, I thought it would be better not to just preach about this, but to actually have a discussion about this, because I think it's something that is, is happening in the church world. Um, that One is we need to be aware of it, and maybe not everybody is aware of this whole thing. Uh, and we're going to be talking about deconstruction today. How many people know what deconstruction is? Okay, there's a few hands here now. Others saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's why we just want to talk about it. Because, again, it has been a hot topic. And, and let me just give you um, a definition that we have here from a, a guy who actually wrote a book on deconstruction called Brian Zahn. And here's what he says. Deconstruction is a crisis of Christian faith that leads to either a reevaluation of Christianity or sometimes a total abandonment of Christianity. And I think one of the reasons why this has been such a hot topic as of late is there's been a lot of high-profile people who have actually deconstructed, if you will, and have walked away from the Christian faith. Uh, a lot of music artists, uh, a lot of people who have written books and things like that. So in the church world, it has been a, a big deal, and it's kind of seeping out. And I think we're starting to see this more and, and more. And, and I guess I want to ask and, and talk a little bit about well, of why we see some of these things happening and why it's going on.
2: Yeah, and so especially... One of the biggest things is when talking about either trendy topics or touchy subjects or different things. One, we want to inform about kind of so you're aware of what's going on. Right. But I would even argue that this isn't a new thing in the last couple of years. The deconstruction or the process of reevaluating one's faith or even challenging one's faith, questioning one's faith, or walking away from one's faith altogether is something that's been going on for years and years and years. And um, even when Jesus is teaching and and he's challenging the Pharisees and he says, you have heard that it is said, you know, do not commit adultery. But I say, if you even look at someone lustfully, so even challenging what you grew up believing, what you grew up with the knowledge of, and challenging you to say, wait, hold on. Maybe there's an alternative or maybe there's another level to that which I've been believing in. And so... Of course, you know, with the different, you know, leaders who have either stepped away from faith altogether or have challenged or changed their views on certain things, media doesn't help, of course. And so that's part of why you see it more popular today is because it's trending more on social media um, and you see different churches or leaders. But in large, you know, this has been a process, whether small or in large, that has happened for centuries.
1: Yeah, and I think, like you said, I think we just have a term for it now, right? Right. It's this deconstruction word is the term that we have now. But there, it's always been a part of the Christian walk or the journey that we hope that you actually get to a place where you begin to question things. And the question is, do I believe this just because I was told this, mm-hmm. or is there really a foundation for why I believe this? And so in that way, I think what we want to talk about is, is there good or, and bad deconstruction? What's the difference?
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, and we said this, I don't know how many times, and, and even, like you said, years back, I can remember talking about getting our kids to a point where they own their own faith. Instead of just having the faith of what their parents are, and I think that is so crucial. I think this all plays into this also, and and yes, I think there is a, a bad deconstruction because I think some people start out thinking, I just want to destroy this whole entity, you know, and 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 they they're looking for ways to to take the Christian Christian faith down, and then there's the other one as we've discussed already is is how much of this do I own and 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 what is truth and and. And you start questioning some of those things, and and it's just one of those things that I think we have to just kind of navigate through.
2: Right, and so why are we talking about this? One, I want to just encourage you before we really get too deep into it. If you are someone who has doubted, who has struggled, who has deconstructed, who has questioned who is going through that process right now and you're not sure what you believe, I want you to know you're safe here and we're glad you're here.
0: Exactly, and I think that is the crucial thing. And we'll get to some of that a little bit later too, but exact, if, if, if there are some of those doubts and some of those questions and some of those, well, I just don't know about that, and how can this happen? And sometimes we feel guilty about doubting all of that. And I would, you know, we've talked before, it's one of the reasons why I wanted you guys up here is that we honestly all have our own deconstruction stories. And I don't know if you want to share any any, any of that, but, you know, what we've been through.
2: It's more common for someone my age to have one of those stories. So, Bruce, do you want to kind of share your process? Yeah, I mean,
1: for my age, that's a scary thought, right? Um, And I think one of the things that's changed and made it easier for your age and younger is you have access to so much more information. And so for Brad and I growing up, uh, I grew up in a church. And so my only access to information was basically the Bible I had and whatever the preacher taught, you know, or what I learned in church. And so, I grew up with that, and all those things, you know, that formed the basis of my Christian faith. And, uh, and so, it wasn't till I was in my 20s and 30s, and then honestly, kind of did that when I was in my college years, but then I think did it a second time just in the last 10 years, going, oh, wait a second, I hear other people challenging some of these things. And really asking myself the question, why do I believe that? Is it just because somebody told that to me? Or what's the basis of that? Because for me, the question was, even in ministry and trying to lead a church, um, I don't want to give my life to something that's not based on truth. And so I wanted to make sure that what I was living and then teaching was really true and was had a foundation that I could go back to and point to more than just, well, this is what I've always been taught. Right,
0: and, and I love that, and and I think, you know, for myself, Jordan actually asked me, oh, well, it's been probably a couple of months ago about, you know, you're not your typical boomer, <laughs> you know, and, and and I think some of the way I think of that, he said, well, when did that all start? And it really started, I didn't, I didn't have an answer for you right then, and we talked later, and I said, I traced it back to, actually, the early 2000s when I read two books. There were two books that I was given to read, and it changed everything for me. And it got to a point of, I've, I've got to, you know, this is this is a true and real, to me, it was a true and real live faith. Instead of just something I believed, it, it turned into a heart issue to me, and it changed everything for me. But I think you brought up something I think is very interesting, Is is that in our generations, to talk about doubt, or or hey, I'm questioning something in my faith, You, there was no safe place to go. And, and I think that's kind of, is, is the challenge for us, even today, and you know, in my generation, we were brought up as, you know, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. You just don't ask questions anymore. and And we're not in that kind of atmosphere or culture anymore, especially with younger people.
2: Right, and I think what you have, especially with generations who are my age and younger, is the concept of identity is probably the biggest question. Who am I? What am I? How am I? Where do I belong? How am I viewed? You know, who am I in the eyes of God, but also just the eyes of the world? And so that question of identity, um, what has happened in a lot of past tenses is, again, back to the, this is what you need to believe. And people my age and younger, um, we like to come to the solution or to the answer on our own. And so that's kind of the biggest difference, is rather than just being told to believe something, is it needs to be a journey and a process for us. And where the tension has often lived with deconstruction process, especially as we see younger generation Uh, kids and teens more likely than past generations going through a deconstruction process. The tension has lived because, or has arose because there hasn't been a grace for that process or a grace for that journey, but younger people need that journey to be able to get to the same place or even a stronger place than that of their ancestors and so I think that's kind of where that tension has arose is younger people aren't less faithful aren't less trustworthy in fact they're more faithful and more trustworthy in my opinion because they're willing to challenge that which they believe to get to a healthy place now like we've talked about some people take it too far and deconstruct to the point of no return retor- obviously you can always return but to an unhealthy place but most young people are my age included, myself included, are just simply looking for grace in the process. Not necessarily looking to push back or challenge every single belief, rather looking for grace in their questioning, in their processing, so that that foundation becomes something more solid.
0: And and that's that's an amazing explanation, but the thing it does is for, I know for my generation, I don't know about yours, my guess is it scares the ever-living daylights out of us.
1: Yeah, because... And why is that? I, and that's the, the switch that I had to flip was um, if there's a genuine pursuit of truth, why wouldn't we want that? For some, It's almost like, well, we're scared that you're going to start believing something else. Right. And I had to get to the point where I go, well, if they're genuinely pursuing truth, they're going to end up at the right place. So that should be a good thing, yeah. right? Like. Why? Why would we be scared to let people ask questions?
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, and and the thing that I think that we have done, you know, again, and, and we're, we're attacking this a little bit by a generation standpoint, because that's I think that's where the gaps are, and that's where the confusion kind of lays in some of this, and so you know. I think what happens with some of the older generations is what we want to do is we want to we go and say, okay, well, here's, it's almost apologetics, is this, is, this is what you got to believe, this is why we believe it, here's where it says in the Bible, and, and we have all these arguments. As a matter of fact, there's this, and there's nothing wrong with apologetics. I think we need to be able to argue for our faith. But sometimes I think we use that as a, as a crutch almost of let's not go to the deeper things that are behind some of these things. And so we're trying to argue with this reason and this intellect when that's not where necessarily the answers are coming from. And as you said earlier is in this day and age, you can argue anything on the Internet. No matter what we come up with, no matter what stance we take, you can find the other stance, the opposite view, somewhere on the Internet. And so us being able to convince somebody out of intellect, this does not work like it, like it used to.
2: And something I would also say is almost every single person who thinks they haven't figured out thinks they haven't figured out. And every person in Scripture who thought they had 100% of the Bible or the Old Testament or the truth figured out, Jesus called them out on it. And they didn't actually have it figured out. And then we think, okay, but we're, we're in 2022. We've got the truth. We know 100% of our beliefs. And we like to believe everything we believe is correct and every way we respond is correct. But every single time that someone has done, taken that stance of, hey, this is, I mean, Jesus and God called them out. And so there's even that humility of saying, this is what I, as an imperfect human, believe to be the truth. But it takes a Certain level of humility to say, but I could be wrong and there's sometimes fear. No I think there's always fear in getting to that place, especially for generations of past What I've noticed with generations my age and younger is there doesn't seem to be that fear of I could be wrong There they're really there and it leads to more open-mindedness and sometimes that that is frustrating because they we are so Easily either persuaded or able to switch or see the other side of things But I see that more as a, again, a faithfulness to the truth of trying to do the hard work rather than, and this might be a trigger, rather than living in a bubble of always what we grew up believing, never questioning, never challenging things when instead Jesus challenges us to go out into the world to make disciples. And if you're going to go out into the world to make disciples, you have to Learn about the culture. You have to um, understand the community. You have to recognize the pain that people have gone through. You can't just walk in and expect to be heard without first being willing to listen.
1: I think you hit on something there that for for those of us who have been living this journey for a long time, there is a fear there that if if I start questioning my faith or parts of it, you know, like things that I believe, that I thought were very black and white, cut and dry, or someone else does, there's a fear there that, well, wait a second, if I'm wrong, I've been living this whole time believing something that maybe is not 100% true or seen from a different perspective. And I think that puts that fear in us. It's easier just to say, no, what I've believed all my life is right, because then I don't have that guilt of I've been living sometimes, I guess the way I was thinking about it was I've been living a lie for 20 years on what I thought I believed. And it does take a a certain amount of humility. I guess the other part of that would be that I would say I got to a place where I realized it's pretty arrogant for me to stand up here and say everything I believe is 100% the right interpretation of Scripture. And if you don't agree with what I agree with, then you're wrong. I mean, that's, that's pretty arrogant on my part to say that because everybody thinks
2: that. And, so hopefully, we can't and, all and be as right. you're sitting there, you may be thinking, well, I hope our teaching pastors know what they believe. And we, <laughs> we also hope we know what we believe. We're, you know, that is the hope. I remember having a conversation with my dad, and, and he just shared, like, hey, I hope that everything I believe is the Hundred percent right. You hope that's the case. You hope that you are authentic and that you're prayerful. That you know, you know, you believe the right things. That's the that's the hope, and even that's kind of the faith. But then when you look ten years ago from where we were, even, and we were in that same place, and ten years later, where how we've grown in our understanding and how Scripture continue in the Holy Spirit. Right. If and and as I was reading a book called it's called After Doubt. It's an incredible book on. Um, deconstruction and how to uh, deconstruct towards God, how to doubt towards God, um, and I just lost my train of thought. I'm sure it was really good. <laughs> We're gonna count that as the Spirit. Holy- oh yeah, okay. <laughs> it's talking about when we talk about, you know, the verse says, you know, the Word of God, it, it is, it is live and active, you know, and it, if that is the case, then we have to trust it. The Holy Spirit is also alive and active and constantly working on
0: us. And, and I want to address the tension in the room right now. <laughs> because even in me, I mean, that, that some of that, again, I think it becomes a fear of, okay, what are they really talking about? What are, what are they getting? I, I, and I'm going to use this word. It's going to really set some people up. They're, they're getting progressive and, and liberal you know and that's and that's the New agey. yeah new agey. you know and it's all that that kind of those kind of things and and there is a tension isn't there i mean it's in it's even in me at this stage, but I think that's a good tension because it it does keep us one on our on our toes and and it starts to get what we're not redescribing truth necessarily but but we've we've got to get to that point
1: yeah i think I think what you hear from us to kind of clarify is not a um, a questioning of who God is or who Jesus was, probably actually deconstructing and asking questions about a lot of the peripheral stuff um, has, as we've gone through those journeys and asked those questions, what do we really believe and why, it has enforced and elevated our view of who God is.
0: Absolutely. And
1: who Jesus was. So, it's those core things that actually have become stronger in us. It's the the stuff around that. Who is Jesus? Who is God? That we go. Oh, wait a second. Maybe.
0: And you and you start seeing some of his interactions in a different light, even. And and at least that's what's happened to me, especially in the last you know many years here, is that you see Jesus in a, in a new light of. oh, I, I start to understand that even more. And and here's what I would I would. Again addressing that tension because there's probably some of you that are, are, are concerned at this point and that's good That's okay, and we would love to have those discussions There's something we say all the time is that we have an open-door policy man We would love to wrestle this to the ground with you and, and and so that's the invitation of jump into this conversation With us, you know we would love to have those it's it's, it's, it's been amazing so uh, Don't preclude already what what is kind of happening and and here's what I would say with your generation I think is, is really important um, because you know, we have talked more and more about how do we reach the next two generations coming up, and they are so different from Gen X and 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 Boomers that that we've got to look at them with a different filter. Church today is not just the 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 music wars of of our day, where you know we're going to sing a different kind of worship music. This is an entirely different way of looking at life, and so we've got to meet them at at their territory. So as we are are sitting here. Uh, and looking at, at, at these younger generations and trying to, with our intellect, and saying, well, this is what you got to believe. This is, this is what the Bible says. This is what it, what it is. All those arguments are out there on the other side, but the one thing they cannot argue with is, is how we love them and how we love other people. I, I, I was actually thinking about this um, and, and writing some of the notes, and it just kind of jumped at me, is, is you can't argue against the way we love people. And you think about the first century church is what drew people to them all, all the Jews are saying, this is some cult over here, is what they were called, is that the thing that was drawn to them is how they loved people, how they took care of each other, how they gave, sold everything they had just to make sure that people were okay. If we got back to that church, we would not have half the problem that we have.
2: And do you know why that split happened? Why the Jewish to the, the first Christian church split happened? Because someone came in, the Messiah, challenging the way that things were always done, and it split this group to Christian Judaism, to where Jewish culturally and grew up, but then religiously accepting Jesus as truth. And so then you've got this one group of people who are saying, but this is how it's always been done. This is what's been going on for centuries in our faith and our religion. And Jesus comes in and said, you have heard it said, but I say right. this. And then the church launches and you've got these now outsiders with people looking in who think, again, We have the right way. Now, here's the thing. Again, like I said earlier, we hope that we know what we believe, and we teach that every week. We don't. We're not up here going, "Well, there's a 50-50 chance this is accurate." You know, we're just going to swing and miss. No, (laughs) we we spend time in prayer and hoping and discerning and studying the Word of God faithfully, and trying to understand the culture faithfully at the same time of saying we believe so desperately that Jesus is the Messiah. How do we communicate that to a generation who is desperately trying to get there too? Right. And it looks, the method, this is something we talked about all the time, the method is what's going to change. Is that the way that we, we share the gospel, the way we do outreach, the way we do missions, the way we do online media, the way we do men, all of those things are going to change. And our core beliefs, we hope again, again, you might hate that we keep saying we hope we hope we hope um i had a professor my you know theology professor he's now the dean at anderson university and he would um he would often say like i don't immediately i don't immediately object to that when he would share yeah. something that he didn't necessarily disagree with or agree with he would say i don't immediately object to that cuz he gave us that space he didn't say you're just wrong jordan yeah he would say, I don't immediately object to that. How you walk me through how you got there? And I think that's an important place. Do you think we're ever going to get to our second page of notes? No, I I doubt it.
1: Can can I jump there, though? (laughs) Because it goes off of... (laughs) We got a long way to go. (laughs) um, It goes off of what you just said. I I love that thought of the Messiah was... Jesus was the one who forced exactly what we're struggling with today. Like, that was an example. And he's still doing it. And he's still doing it. So can we walk through, like, what that looked like? Yeah. That's, um, in John chapter 8, uh, this is exactly kind of what's going on. Jesus is talking to some Jews who, again, not just the religion, but being Jewish was your entire identity, the whole culture not just your Physically, too.
2: Yeah. You know, that's part of why circumcision was so important and why women were required to dress and look a certain way and act a certain way because that was the cultural, not just belief, but standard. Right. And so
1: everything about you is wrapped up in that, and here comes this Jesus guy, and he starts teaching some, you know, like you said, hey, you've heard it said, but I'm here to tell you, and this is kind of what happened. So John chapter 8 Verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, what we tend to do or what I find that a lot of people do when we have this discussion and people kind of have some pushback is they go, look, Jesus said, hold to my teaching. If we just do what the Bible says, then we're good, right? Remember, Jesus' teaching was not the Bible, Jesus didn't, the Bible was not around when Jesus said this. What he's saying is, if you hold to what I am now saying, which is challenging some of the things that you guys have made Scripture, not that the original Scriptures, you know, the Old Testament was wrong, but we've gotten to this place now where you're, you've morphed it into this other thing, this set of rules that you're following and I'm coming now, and I'm saying, but if you follow what I'm telling you, that if, that, you know, some of these heart conditions are really the issue, not your behaviors, then you are really my disciples. And then the next verse, he says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you follow what I am now saying, that is the pursuit of truth. What I am giving you is the truth and to me that's where deconstruction that's good deconstruction if i am asking questions if i'm challenging and my heart condition is i want to know this because i want to know what's true right there's a truth out there that i want to make sure i'm basing my life on i don't want it based on something that somebody just said or came up with i want to know the truth and here's jesus saying if you follow what i'm teaching you will know that truth, and it's going to set you free. And then the Jews kind of go, in a sense, like, well, why do we need that? They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? They're going, why do we need you to set us free? We've already got what Abraham said. We've already got the old law. We've got our culture. We've got the, this is what's always been, the tradition, the right, the wrong. These are the rules you follow. We're not slaves. Why why do you think you need to come in and set us free? Why do we even need to do that? And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And so, the first thing he says is, well, first of all, you need to understand the state of your heart, that if you've sinned, you are a slave. Sometimes that's hard for those of us who have grown up in churches and thought, no, we're pretty good, right? It's us and them. We're good. We're doing all the right things. So, we're not slaves anymore, but they are, the people who aren't doing all the right things and don't believe the right things. So, Jesus says, well, hold on. If you've sinned, you are a slave. But then he says, but the way to not be a slave is to be in relationship with the Father, to be a son. A son is not a slave. And so he switches it from, we followed all the laws, we have did all the rules, we've done everything that our tradition and history has taught us, and now it's switched to, but if you know the son, or if you become um, a son to the Father... Now you are free. And the last thing he says is, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So if you kind of put the beginning of this conversation with the end, it starts with the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. So he basically I always I'm an engineer, so I think of this like through math, right? If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, then the Sun is the truth.
2: That's exactly how I think about I, it. Too. I figured
1: that's that's why I had you explain this, right? So he's basically saying the truth
2: is a person.
1: It's the person of Jesus
2: Christ. Which is the exact identity that Jesus himself takes in John chapter 14, either 14 or 16, where he says, I am the way, the the truth, truth, and and the life. life. So
1: the truth is not a pursuit. Uh, When you start deconstructing, what you begin to realize is, if I'm looking for the truth, I'm not looking for what's right and wrong or a set of beliefs or a behavior of what's right and wrong. I'm looking for a relationship and a connection to a person, and when you begin to realize that's the truth, the person of Jesus is the truth, what it leads you to and what we keep talking about is love. And that is the truth that we're trying to pursue.
0: That'll preach. Nicely done.
1: I so, get to talk once a year. So yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's good. So, so let's kind of wrap this whole thing up. And, and I think for us, um, I think you're going to find that, that your friends, family members, um, are going to be coming through with some of this deconstruction. They're going to have these thoughts, or they're having those thoughts. Maybe you don't even know it. So how do we respond to someone who is, is deconstructing, who is doubting? How, how do we, as Jesus followers, as a church, come alongside these people?
2: Yeah, and, and even as a church, we, we have so many different people here at Crossbridge Um, We have people who are so different politically. We have people who are different religiously. We have some people who attend who don't even believe in Jesus and are still here because of the community. We have so many different. So the hope is that we're able to have these conversations all the way moving forward while still being encouraging, but also bold in some things we believe in. And there's a couple of ways. So how do we respond to someone deconstructing or doubting, or walking through this process. Um, one, it's something us as teaching pastors, but us as a staff have tried to do and walk the whole time, and we get it wrong often, okay? But one of the first things, going back to what Bruce, you just shared, is the first thing we want to encourage people to do is encourage people to lean on the truth, which you might say, doesn't that contradict everything you just said? And again, remember what Bruce just shared though is the truth it's got to start with Jesus. Jesus is the truth, he is the way, the truth and the life. That's part of what deconstruction can become so scary, especially if you're a parent and you're like I've got kids, I want them to know the truth. I want I agree. I want my son to know who Jesus is. I want my son to believe that Jesus is king, Jesus is lord. I want my son to hold on to the word of God, not as his savior, but as a tool that point as the word of God pointing him Amen. to the savior. That's my hope, as many of your hope too. Yes, it is some of my fear that my son will walk away from Jesus someday. That is a real fear, and I validate that. But we have to start by encouraging them to make Jesus the center point. What often happens is we try to make the word of God. I don't want to trigger people by saying that the. The, the, the verses in the Word of God, the center point for our belief, rather than Jesus. We've said this all along, and Paul says this in Corinthians, okay? Jesus is the center, the foundation, the whole, I mean, Jesus, it is all about Jesus, okay? And so we have to get to a place where we value Jesus as King, and we lead our kids, we lead our teenagers, we lead our family members towards that, The word of God is so important and is active and is alive and is the inspired word of God. And so we have to get to a place where we use the word of God to point toward Jesus. And so the first step when someone's deconstructing and doubting is that we have to make sure that we say, hey, just so you know, Jesus cares so deeply about where you're at, where you're at. And he wants you desperately to be where he is. And you're going to have that tension, but give them grace on the journey to get there. Did any of that make sense? Yeah, it,
0: it, it it's all great. Um, <clears throat> and and I and think- I want
2: to make sure I clear. I because I was talking about the Word of God very like you know like the Bible is so important for this process, but so is prayer with the Word of God. We have we and this is part of where the generation the tension has come in is we take the word of God, we take the Bible, we take verses and say, night and day, this is what it is. Well, if that were the case, Titus, in the book of Titus, advocates for slavery. And the Bible was used in slavery because of Titus to encourage slavery all the way through, um, well, really in different parts of the world, still going on. And so that is where prayer comes in and the Holy Spirit comes in to challenge some of the things with the process of saying, okay, hold on. What did slavery look like? Is this a cultural thing? And were there some things that were okay in society then that we would say morally are just not acceptable today? So there has to be a process of praying and letting the Holy Spirit guide us with the word of God. And at the end of the day, it all still comes back down to Jesus.
0: Absolutely. And, and again, that center and him being king in our lives. And it starts with us, you know. And we have to, to also listen to what people are going through cuz a lot of this deconstruction comes from a place of hurt and it comes from a place of anger and it may be it hurt it may be church hurt which we've talked a lot about and we're not here to beat up on the church but but these younger generations don't see the church and trust the church as some of our older generations so again it's listening and understanding that underneath somewhere here is is some some hurt um, <clears throat> i want to Close real quickly if I can. I want. I just want to read a, a statement by someone. You may nev- never heard of this gentleman. His name is Paul David Tripp. And um, in evangelical circles and fundamental sur- circles, he's as conservative and fundamental as they get. Okay. Love the guy. Here's what he says about deconstruction. Sorry.
2: <laughs> Those were two really fascinating statements to put next to each other.
0: <laughs> Here's what Paul David Tripp says. I, it, it, it's it's the cold. I'm telling you. I think there are two things we need to do. Number one, we need to understand the experience of deconstructors. We should understand the trauma of these experiences, just what we talked about. But I want to say something else. Number two, we should all be deconstructing our faith. We would better do it, because our faith becomes a culture, a culture so webbed into the purity of truth, it's hard to separate the two. And we'd better do some deconstructing, or we're going to find ourselves again and again in these sad places. For me, I've accepted the fact that I'm going to be a sad man for the rest of my life. Because I get calls all the time of the saddest things that are happening in the church. And you know, I celebrate the church of Jesus Christ. I celebrate the places where it's a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I love the gospel. I have no other wisdom than that. But I'm sad for the church. I'm sad that we've become so loyal to this culture, and we're talking about the culture in the church, okay, not the culture outside of here. And I'm sad that we've become so loyal to this culture we're afraid to deconstruct it in places where it's lost its way, that it's harmful. It's producing things that allow the world to mock and cause young people to walk away and leaders not to be rescued from themselves and ministries to explode." And so there's a devastating humility that comes when you're really willing to deconstruct something you've given your life to. I mean that in the positive sense. I'm not talking about apostasy here. But to be willing to step back and say, where do we just need to take this apart? Abandon your loyalty, stand with courage, and say, this is not good enough. And I think that's exactly what we've been trying to say. We're not trying to throw everything out, the baby with the bathwater. We're just saying, let's get to a real place where Jesus is king. He's the center of everything we do. And let's raise the next generations to say that without Jesus, we have nothing. And we have no hope. The hope of the world is Jesus, nothing else.
2: And the last piece before we close today is if you are someone who is you feel really confident, and you're strong, and you are maybe either on the other side of deconstruction, or you're in a really healthy place with your faith, your next step is we want to encourage you again earlier, walk with people who are struggling. Walk alongside. Be that safe person for someone to question, and to challenge, and be that person who's able there to encourage, and to reinforce, and to, um, pick up when they fall, or, you know, celebrate when they're um, excited. And that's also, that is equally important. All three of us who have deconstructed at some level um, have come out so much stronger. And a big part of that is because we had people who were safe places for us to wrestle. We have so many cool conversations, especially just the three of us outside of the office or in the office of just pushing one another so that like you said it earlier and like how Paul David tripped, so that when young people say, you know what, we can make this better. I loved that line. Because that is what we're as a, as a church, as the as the as Christ followers, there are different things still going on. Injustices or there's different ways that truth or Um, Jesus or the Bible has been used to abuse and people are standing up saying you know what no we can make this better and as a church we can impede society better and we can love society better and that's what this is all about is that we deconstruct and then reconstruct to something that is better something that is more fruitful something that is more faithful something that is more loving and I think that is what we're here to do
0: absolutely final thoughts let me pray for us, Father. We are grateful that we can have these kind of discussions. Father, we're thankful for a church that wants to get it right. God, we're just a people that we're failed. We're, we we fall all the time, and and for those here, God, who are are maybe having doubts, who are wondering if this thing is real, I just pray that you'd be especially near to them. That that Jesus would be so real to them, and help us with the people in our lives, God. That 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 may be walking a path that maybe even away from you, that we can help them and lovingly show them this Jesus that can make all the difference in the world. Let us be that church, God. Help us to get rid of anything that is is stopping us from reaching our communities and our families and our workplaces for you. We ask us all in the name of Jesus. Amen.